There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to HuffPost's brand new weekly podcast, Am I Making You Uncomfortable? Presented by me, Rachel Moss. And me, Brogan Driscoll. This podcast is a frank, honest conversation about women's bodies, health and private lives. We cover underreported issues and tackle the topics you're too squeamish to talk to your mates about. This week, we'll be talking about social anxiety. We'll be talking to writer, broadcaster and psychotherapist Lucy Beresford and author, mental health blogger and campaigner Claire Easton, who will be sharing her own personal experience of social anxiety. Social anxiety feels like a massive weight on my shoulders that won't go away. It constantly makes me panic about the next social event and lots of different things to worry about. Social anxiety doesn't switch off or give you a break, even in lockdown when you're not allowed to socialise. If you want to join the conversation, use the hashtag AIMYU. So we wanted to talk about social anxiety today because it feels quite urgent, actually, as lockdown measures ease and we're able to see friends and family more, stay over in some cases and go to the pub and go to restaurants. Lots of people are feeling social anxiety, um, which is perhaps something that they've never experienced before. And we know this from our own feelings. Rachel and I have spoken at length about how we feel a bit nervous about lockdown easing but also anecdotally through what we're hearing from friends and family, but also readers at HuffPost. We've got a series at the moment called How Are You Feeling, which is intended to kind of really take the pulse of how the nation's feeling. So there's a a Google document and we encourage readers to kind of submit how they're feeling at any one time to give us an idea about how the national mood is changing and what emotions people are feeling as we navigate our way through and out of this pandemic. So it's really interesting to see that people at the moment are definitely feeling social anxiety. Yeah, I think, um, as you mentioned, we have both spoken about this, about, you know, feeling maybe nerves about seeing people, which is something that I have never experienced before. But obviously, for some people, that feeling won't be new at all. I think it's important for us to say right in the intro of this episode that there is a difference between social anxiety disorder and feeling a little anxious, which, you know, is is a very natural emotion that a lot of people feel. So social anxiety disorder is when, you know, you've got a real phobia of um, different social situations. And that happens to a lot of people all throughout the year you know not in pandemic times so if you're feeling a bit nervous because of the pandemic that's a different thing but it's also a very valid thing and I think mental health we know is on a spectrum we all have mental health just like we all have physical health 
And so whether you've got social anxiety disorder or you're feeling a little bit socially anxious, it's really important to talk about this stuff so you can kind of figure out maybe where you sit on that spectrum and what might help you get back to normal. It was also really interesting. Um, We ran an article recently on HuffPost about people feeling really exhausted when they've been socializing. And I don't know about you, Brogan, but this is something that I feel every time someone suggests a meetup, I'm like, God, it feels like hard work. And Mm. um, our colleague, Natasha Hind, wrote a piece about this, just asking why is socializing so tiring at the moment? And a psychotherapist called Lucy Fuller told her that it's essentially because we're concentrating when we socialize in ways that we never had to before there are so many new things to think about. How am I going to get there without public transport? Will it be awkward if I don't hug my friend as soon as we see each other? What Mm. if I need a wee when I get there? You're so aware of like other people's movements as well and how close they are. You've never had to use like a two meter or one meter plus stick to stay away from your friends. You're normally all over each other. Yeah, yeah, I am too. So there's this whole new kind of code of conduct around socializing. Mm. And the thing that Lucy Fuller said was, everyone is likely to find this difficult but if you've got social anxiety anyway that's another thing on top which will make it even harder for you to get back to a normal way of socializing right now um so I think at the moment some of us who have never experienced social anxiety before are maybe getting a little tiny insight into what it might be like and for people who do suffer from social anxiety anyway it's really important that we hear those stories as well because it must be incredibly hard. I won't, I won't pretend to understand how hard it is, but I definitely want to learn more about it and hopefully we can all help friends and family if they're experiencing these things. Yeah, definitely. I think that it's kind of, it kind of touches on something that I feel about mental health in general and language used around mental health, like that we all need to be kind of aware of the fact that Obviously, you, we can feel anxiety around socialising or we can have periods where we're feeling depressed or, or anxious generally. And that's not to negate those feelings at all. But often language around mental health is kind of misappropriated in a way. And so I know like people, a lot of people say, oh, I'm a bit OCD or um, I have I guess even now people will say they've got like social anxiety and I can't like imagine what it must be like for people who have these mental health conditions, whether they're diagnosed or not, which obviously a lot of people live with mental health conditions that aren't diagnosed because of a whole range of factors, but sometimes misusing the language can like erase people's experiences Mm. who do actually suffer from these mental health conditions so that's why it's really I'm glad that you mentioned that Rachel because it's really key for us to differentiate between feelings right now which is rooted in a kind of situation completely out of like anyone's control and generally feeling feelings of anxiety around social situations so I think social anxiety despite everything we've spoken about is still a bit of an uncomfortable topic unfortunately despite you know the fact that dozens of celebrities have spoken about their mental health in recent years I do still think there's a bit of a taboo associated with doing it in regular day-to-day life I also think there's a bit of a stigma attached to cancelling plans so if somebody cancels on you last minute we can sometimes be quite quick to label them as flaky. I know I've definitely done that before. Mm-hmm. I'm guilty of that. 
but we really need to stop and think because there might be something else going on here. And I think if you're being flaky, as in you have cancelled without a reason at the last minute because you can't be asked, that is very different from cancelling on someone because you've got a reason or a need to, or perhaps you're feeling social anxiety. So I think of all the mental health conditions, it is one that's actually still quite misunderstood and hopefully talking about it a bit more will change some of that today. Today, we're joined by writer, broadcaster and psychotherapist Lucy Beresford to try and understand a little more about social anxiety. Welcome, Lucy. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you so much. Really excited to be here. Well, we're pleased to have you. Could you explain to us what social anxiety disorder is? Yes, it's where people suffer an overwhelming sense of fear or dread about any kind of situation where they are going to meet other people. And it becomes very overwhelming, very crippling. It gets in the way of all sorts of activities like trying to get another job or dating. And it's just at the very extreme end of a fairly normal response to life, which is perhaps a little bit of our knees about a situation that we're unfamiliar with. So it's completely different to shyness. Exactly. It's very different to shyness. Shyness is more of a a personality trait. It's something that sometimes never goes, but it doesn't necessarily preoccupy them to quite the same degree that social anxiety does. It's the way in which the anxiety becomes not just overwhelming, but very preoccupying. What are some of the causes of social anxiety then? The jury is still out really as to whether it's something that you're born with, whether it's something you copy because you've seen your parents suffering from it without necessarily knowing that that's what it was, something perhaps quite formative. And as a result, the way in which you might treat it also depends on perhaps what the root cause might be. So if if social anxiety is very different from shyness or just being nervous, what are some of the signs to help us spot it maybe in ourselves or in friends or family? How would you know if someone's got social anxiety? If you are noticing that either yourself or somebody that you know seems to have really quite florid anxiety around situations that most other people wouldn't find nerve-wracking, And perhaps it's also very preoccupying. Perhaps they're constantly talking about it, constantly seeking advice or reassurance. Or you've noticed that they're starting to retreat from social engagement, that actually this could be something that they might not even know what it is. They might not be able to give it that name, but you could start a conversation or perhaps even with yourself and say, I wonder if this is social anxiety and then of course it's quite useful to see okay well where how long have you been feeling like this you know is it something that has just happened because you find yourself in a new situation like in a new job or has it actually been going on for quite some time so talking about situations that are kind of unprecedented that is full of the unknown um, we're obviously living in one of those right now how is the pandemic affecting people with social anxiety I'd love to know what you're hearing professionally or personally from from the people that you work with well the most fascinating thing was how many people with social anxiety actually became certainly during lockdown quite relaxed more relaxed because they had this perfect excuse to not go out because 
nobody else was going out either. So instead of it having to be a situation where they were having to dream up lots of excuses or actually have to really face attending that thing that they didn't want to do, now everybody was cutting everybody slack. And you didn't even have to be in a vulnerable category. As soon as you said, oh, well, I, I don't really want to do that because of COVID, that's it, job done. No, no other explanation was required. So I think that was quite an interesting dimension to all of this. The easing of lockdown brought huge anxiety for lots of people, but for people with social anxiety, it, A, it meant that they didn't have that catch-all excuse. They couldn't just say, oh, well, nobody's out, because actually people were actively trying to think of ways to engage, who's going to be in whose social bubble. Certainly clinically, when I was talking to clients who have got social anxiety, that was their biggest worry, was that somebody would say, I want you in my bubble. And they didn't want to be in the bubble. Because bearing in mind, not everybody has been very open with their social group that they have social anxiety. It's fascinating. You say that about kind of the urgency that people wanted to decide who was going to be in their bubbles and and kind of get back to things. I've certainly found that in my own kind of socially at least people have been so quick to try and organize a holiday or you know like everyone seems to be like quick we've got to go on holiday right now we've got to meet up do you want to come for this like on overdrive and I I don't have social anxiety disorder but like it's kind of all happening it's not happening at a speed that you feel like is in your control and and um I can't begin to imagine what that must be like if you have social anxiety. I think that's absolutely right. When lockdown happened, because it was such a global thing and certainly a national thing, you didn't have to worry about this. But as soon as there was more freedom, then you're reliant on other people's values and other people's expectations. And, and they're all they're often competing with how you think things should, should happen and the flow, the pace at which it should happen. And I think with social anxiety, because there's so much focus on the individual and, and being so self-conscious that can often make people with social anxiety really want to sort of step back and be the observer and to see how things pan out. Uh, what I've observed is that a lot of people with social anxiety are observers by nature and they then project onto other people the idea that they also must be observers. So a lot of the anxiety comes from assuming that everybody is observing you I think social, people with social anxiety have felt, yes, it's running, it's like a juggernaut, it's running out of my control and I need to rein it back in, but I don't know, I don't necessarily have the vocabulary in order to put my hand up and say, this is going too fast, this is too soon for me. Once somebody has a diagnosis for social anxiety, what's what are some of the best treatments for it? It's widely felt that the best treatment is some form of therapy, usually cognitive behavioural, that's presented most often. I'm never quite sure whether that's from a cost saving perspective, because often, you know, a clinician will have a certain amount of money and then we'll say, well, this, this is, we can try and help you in six sessions or eight sessions. But also psychotherapy, which can be longer term, open ended, is also very important to try to get to the origins of this anxiety and, and what might be triggering it. There is medication as well. It could be antidepressants, anti-anxiety medication, could be beta blockers. But if you then suggest to someone, I think your best course of um, treatment is to be in front of someone you've never met before, that can trigger some of the anxiety and they might prefer the medication. And it would be great if clinicians could kind of fight through that and say, no, actually, what will help you longer term 
is for you to really work on this and dismantle it rather than just taking medication to help you get through it as a sticking plaster. So Lucy, every week on the podcast, we ask our listeners to get in touch and tell us about their experiences of whatever topic we're talking about. So we've heard from some people about social anxiety this week. So we wanted to play one to you just to get your response to it and see if it's something that you hear a lot from the people you work with. My social anxiety presents itself in the sense that I tend to avoid people when I feel uh, sad or, you know, stressed. And with lockdown, obviously that has been exacerbated. And because of that, I find myself staying in my house much more than I usually do and rarely venturing out for more than my daily walk. I have seen a few friends and I'm trying to combat what I'm feeling by booking in, you know, lunches and uh, sensitive and, you know, appropriate meetings with them in places where we can actually hang out, uh, you know, whether that's in the park or in the pub. But overall, I just feel very stressed and tired by lockdown. So I think a lot of that we all relate to about feeling tired by lockdown. I thought it was so interesting that listener said she often experiences social anxiety when she's feeling sad. She feels that her social anxiety gets worse. Is that something that you've heard before? It's kind of a, does social anxiety make you sad or are you sad and then you experience social anxiety? What's what's the cycle of that? I think it is more about having a response to the world which is that you might be sad or depressed about something. And then the worry is, again, this fear that I'm not going to be perfect. I'm not going to be able to present a good account of myself. I'm not going to be good company. I'm going to miss all these cues. I'm I'm going to be a bad companion, really. And that's what so much of the pressure is about in social anxiety. It's about, am I going to be good enough? Am I going to be a good enough interviewee? Am I going to be a good enough colleague? And if your mood is affected in a different way, it will then trigger the fear. Here we go again. I'm not good enough. I mustn't be seen. I must lock myself away uh, because I'm I'm not going to be the in the right frame of mind to deliver a good performance. It's almost like a sort of form of performance anxiety. And of course, the sad thing about that is your your friends, your true friends, family, if they're if you have healthy relationships with them, they're not going to worry about whether you're on top form that day but it becomes so stressful and so important for you to feel that you've got to have your a game that that makes it very difficult for you to snap out of kind of or switch out of the, the the mood that has triggered the social anxiety thanks for that lucy if there was anyone listening who felt that echoed their experience do you have any kind of tips on 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 what they could do yes the first tip is very much about being in the now if you're finding yourself being highly anxious right now try to control your breathing and what that does is it both gives you something to focus on and it also calms you down physiologically breathing in for five count of five holding for a count of five letting your breath out for a count of five and doing that in sort of like five or six goes that can really regulate your sense of anxiety and and make it uh, reduce the other thing that you might want to do is to look at the patterns in your life of when you get triggered by social anxiety. And the third thing I would do, and this is, you know, I'm not suggesting don't go to your GP, but these are things that you can do for yourself. I think it's very much about cutting yourself some slack. Don't make assumptions that everybody is looking at you. The sad thing is that nobody is really interested in anybody else. They're not really looking at anyone else. Unless you're super famous, no one is really going to look at you, sadly. And therefore you can cut yourself a lot of slack 
by saying, actually, it is okay. That person in the hairdresser is not looking at me in a really funny way. So always assume the best of people and uh, and keep breathing. So we've got one final question, Lucy, that we put to all of our guests on the podcast. And that is, what makes you uncomfortable? I know in general, it's people not really following the rules. So I think at the moment, I think lockdown... When lockdown started, that was great because there was only one one rule, which was to stay at home. When it started to ease again and joggers came out and panted heavily next to me when I was on the pavement, that's the moment at which I get my bag and I swing it as a sort of... (laughs) I I have become a bag lady in some sense, but I basically create this one metre distance (laughs) around me. So the thing that makes me uncomfortable is people who think they're entitled and that the rules of the game don't really apply to them. And at the moment, I'm looking at you, joggers. I wish you would jog in a mask. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, thank you, Lucy. My pleasure. My social anxiety um, makes me feel anxious of crowds of people especially people I don't know and the pandemic has impacted me in that I've been able to communicate with people via zoom um, because I'm in the comfort of my own home it it feels easier Um, there are certain things that help me to cope with my social anxiety mainly getting enough sleep at night and doing yoga before bed and then also having a set time to wake up every morning Um, drinking enough water and eating a nutrient-rich diet and laying off the booze they've all really helped me and I think not having to go out has helped me and keep that routine and to stay focused on my my personal health joined by author and award-winning mental health campaigner Claire Easton. She's an ambassador for the research charity MQ and draws on her own experience to teach others about social anxiety and panic attacks. Claire is known for her relatable and honest approach and hopes to bridge the gap between health professionals and those living with a mental health disorder. So Claire thank you so much for joining us today we're really glad to have you on. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. And that's quite an introduction. It's rare that people actually uh, read that much into you. So I'm like, oh, thanks. (laughs) I've been talking you a lot. (laughs) Oh, that's great. (laughs) So I know you've experienced social anxiety for a long time. Uh, How has the pandemic impacted your mental health? So I've been a little bit rusty. I went around to see my grandma today. I haven't been allowed inside her house for three months and I was very excited and as soon as I sat on the couch, I got a weird pang of um, social anxiety and a little bit of panic, which was ridiculous because it's my grandma, you know, it's fine. But I realised I haven't been in a formal setting like that for three months. And that's what has triggered me in the past. So I kind of went right back into it. So I think I need a bit of a easing out of it. I don't know if this is controversial to say, but it's been great for me. <laughs> it's, um, it's given me the opportunity to heal because, you know, I live with my condition. It doesn't uh, define me. I don't let it control what I do. But that doesn't mean I get, don't get tired. So it's been a welcome opportunity to not have to travel, to not have to do public speaking, you know, to not have to test myself. It's been really nice to work in a little cocoon and heal, so to speak. 
That's really nice. With restrictions starting to ease now, has that impacted you at all? If you've if you've really valued having, you know, a bit of downtime and a bit of quiet time, how are you feeling with things starting to change? Sure, I'm a little bit apprehensive. I was a bit nervous about doing this, for example, today. But I know a lot about my condition. And one of the things is you can't give it too much territory because that's how you end up becoming really reclusive. And it's good to kind of gently reintroduce yourself into things that are healthy. So um, it's great that it is actually doing it in phases and I can phase myself back into the world. That's such a nice positive way of putting it. I love that. So we were wondering whether more people might be experiencing social anxiety than usual at the moment, just because the pandemic is such a weird alien situation for all of us to be in. And it can it can feel quite scary for a lot of reasons. Have you have you heard anything like that? Do you think people might be experiencing social anxiety more? I don't know if it's experiencing social anxiety, the condition or disorder more, but I think people have got out of the habit of doing normal interaction. My husband, for example, had to make a reservation for us to go to a bar and he forgot what to say because <laughs> you've not done it for so long. He answered, you rang up and said, can I have a drink? And the guy's like, excuse me? I'm like, no, sorry. <laughs> what do we do? I don't know. Like, oh yeah, you asked for a table. And then we like, because you just haven't done it for three months. So I imagine it's more like people are just a little bit stale in that area. So how do you cope with public speaking situations, particularly things like this? We're very grateful for you joining us today. How did you prepare for this? Is that is that a tough one? No, I know it's it's quite ironic, isn't it? Someone with social anxiety doing public speaking. But that isn't a problem for me at all, because when you think of public speaking, it's a one way interaction. It's me talking to an audience. No mm. one can interrupt, hopefully. No one can ask a question or it's just me so I can prepare almost you know the perfect version of myself and deliver that and that's much easier to me than sitting down with a few people and knowing I don't know which way this is going to go yeah yeah that makes sense it's kind of like you're kind of set up to the opposite from stand-up comedy and hecklers like that would that would absolutely be a nightmare for me I can't imagine anything worse either I think it's the control aspect I suppose that comes in a lot with anxiety you know I'm in control it's my talk I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So if you were about to kind of go into a situation that you knew was perhaps slightly out of your control or that you knew might be uh, triggering for you in some way, how would you prepare for that? One of my biggest things is um, that I've tried is exposure therapy. It's whereby a person experiences a little bit of something that makes them uncomfortable and build up to it. It's a very, very, very slow process and it's really helped me in social anxiety because it's helped me build foundations of let's try a bit and let's see what happens. You know, if you feel uncomfortable, give it two minutes. And if it's really, really as bad in two minutes time, then you can go. But if it isn't, why don't we try and stay another minute? Mm. I've heard that in relation to panic attacks before when we've written about them, people saying if you try and ride the wave, it actually helps you get through it quicker than if you put the brakes on and say, I'm having a panic attack, then, you know, it just builds and builds and builds. It sounds quite similar for you, is it? It is, because funnily enough, um, panic attacks and social anxiety are like hand in hand for me. And it's the same treatment I've used for both. What are some of the common misconceptions around uh, social anxiety that you've heard? The obvious one is you're shy or um, she just doesn't like people. She doesn't really like doing things. She doesn't like going out which is always great when people say things like that, when you're already like, no, no, I'm desperate to interact. I'm desperate to do social things. I just um, find it hard, harder than you do. Yeah. 
I know you've got really interesting thoughts about extroverts and how extroverts are seen in society compared to introverts. Can you tell us some stuff about that? I think in the workplace and in a lot of environments, extrovert personality traits are favoured more so over introverts. You know, you considered, I hate to use this phrase, but bubbly. You know, like she's bubbly, she's gregarious, she loves talking to people, she'll talk to anyone. She's, it's great, she's the life and soul of the party. And, you know, you hear those qualities in your head. And I remember thinking before a lot of interactions when I was younger, like, that's not me, that's not me. Like, oh no, so if I'm not like that, then I might not have anything to add. And then you feel this pressure to be like, almost perform a part. So you're already at a loss before you even start socializing, I think. A lot of my best friends are um, extroverts and I feed off that. But then I also notice that they change depending on the environment. So it really depends, I think. It's, it's an interesting thing. I don't think you can sit in one category or another. But I do think extroversion is considered more favorable. Mm. It's um, interesting you were saying there about a lot of your friends are extroverts or you would say they're more likely to be extroverts. How does that kind of friendship dynamic work? They talk and I listen. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm much more of a, a listener than I am a talker and they energise me and mm-hmm. I help to level them out like a yin and yang kind of thing. Mm. So you've uh, obviously written a guide to living with social anxiety but it's obviously quite a huge topic. We've written an entire book about it. Um, just to get the kind of for our listeners, what have you got kind of a few pieces of, of advice that you could give to people who are struggling with social anxiety? Social anxiety is not, um, I don't want to use the phrase popular. It's not quite, it tends to get lumped in with anxiety, whereas social anxiety is a condition in its own right. Mm-hmm. So first thing I would do is, sounds really basic, but go and see your doctor. So if you're having thoughts emotions and symptoms such as I can't eat I can't sleep I'm getting heart palpitations and something just isn't right and you know yourself better than anyone you know when something isn't right and if that's going on on a continued basis for more than a month you know then it's probably good to go and see a doctor just to have a chat a lot of it I find with anxiety social anxieties tell someone I don't know it's so like people will be listening to this like oh great yeah I never thought about that but no really uh the act of saying to somebody who you trust, I don't feel right. And being vulnerable and saying, when we went out for dinner last night, you were telling me about this and all I could think about was, do you think I'm boring? Do you think I'm interesting? Do you, do you like me? Do you like, it's um, this constant cycle of thoughts in my head. And that's what happens when we interact. And I just wanted you to know that, not because I want you to reassure me, but because I need you to know that that's what's happening. Claire, it's a big question, but can you kind of tell us why you've you've kind of decided to make this your like, you know, your mission? In 2013, I had a nervous breakdown because of this condition that I'd been hiding for 10 years. And I was signed off work forcibly. And I didn't expect it to be a condition. I went to see the doctor and I thought, any second now, they're just gonna say you're insane and off you go. And they said, in two minutes, it's textbook social anxiety and panic disorder like what but during my recovery which is a really frightening and lonely time the amount of information out there I was quite disappointed in it was either littered with medical jargon that I didn't understand you know I don't understand what serotonin is I don't understand what cortisol is I don't know what an dollar is and so there was that and then at the other end of the spectrum it was 
uh, stories from people who had really struggled, but it was quite bleak. You know, there's nothing I found uplifting. So as I was getting better, I'm like, as I start to beat this thing, I'm going to write about it and I'm going to translate everything to make it accessible for everyone, not just medical staff, everybody. I'm going to try and normalize it to the extent that, you know, a panic attack will one day be as interesting as a sneeze because that's what we need. We need education. That's what's going to cure it and help it eventually, I think. So that's my rallying call. I absolutely love that. What a great, great note for us to end on. But before we do let you go, we have a question that we ask um, every guest who comes onto the podcast. And that is, what makes you uncomfortable? Air kissing. (laughs) Seriously? The amount of air kissing I've had to do, and I'm really worried, like, which side do we start on? Because I don't want to accidentally tongue someone. You're like... (laughs) oh it really stresses me out like just give me a handshake mate or a hug like let's not do any of this like cheek shit I don't get it (laughs) the thing thing about it like hopefully now that we're not really allowed to go too near people there you go you know we're not gonna have this is it one is it two is it three sometimes I can't cope with that no and you've got a thrust it's not like you can't do like a half-assed air kiss you've really got to be like yes yes yeah and do the like noise and you start trying to outdo each other like so uh it's very media isn't it like it's such a media thing it's hell yeah (laughs) we are very much with you on that one um claire thank you so much for joining us it's been really great to have you oh thanks for having us cheers thank you You just heard from Claire Eason, her book, We're All Mad Here, The No-Nonsense Guide to Living with Social Anxiety is available to buy in all good bookshops. I don't know about you, Rach, but I thought it was so great to have Claire on because to hear her kind of descriptions of how her social anxiety manifests, it's really powerful to hear that because it makes a clear differentiation between how, you know, what people may generally be feeling about the pandemic and what it's like to live with social anxiety all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And her reason for speaking out about it, just to normalise it, was so, so powerful. I love that she said a panic attack should be as boring as sneezing which Mm -hmm. I've never heard someone say before, but that has definitely stuck with me. Um, Yeah, wouldn't it be amazing if we we could get to that place? Uh, It was Mm -hmm. great to have Lucy on earlier as well, just to learn more about like the technical side of things, I guess, and why all this happens. Mm -hmm. I really liked when she said, when Lucy said her kind of tips that we should always assume the best intentions in others and breathe, which I think is something that we can all take away today because... That's something I'm always trying to think, you know, just assume the best intentions in other people um, rather than jump into conclusions or thinking that maybe someone thinks something about you or whatever. Just I love also <laughs> the kind of general theme that's like no one really cares that much about you. So uh, yeah. just don't worry about it. <laughs> There's certainly a lot of practical tips that listeners can take away. So Yeah, definitely. I think listening to Claire, you know, a lot of her personal experience will resonate with people and and you may be able to follow her practical tips. But then Lucy told us uh, about some of the treatments available and hopefully they'll they'll help people too. And, and just in general, you know, it's been nice to have a sit back and think about our own mental health and maybe where we sit on that scale and, 
and how things are going and I do think it's important just whether you've got social anxiety or not just to you know check in with yourself see how things are going and um, you know it's it's never too early to have a little reset so and breathe and breathe always breathe absolutely unfortunately that's all we've got time for this week you've been listening to am i making you uncomfortable please subscribe to our podcast and give us a really lovely review i'm rachel moss and you can find me at rachel moss underscore and i'm brogan driscoll and you can find me at brogan underscore driscoll this podcast is produced by crystal genesis our assistant producer is rachel porter and our sound engineer is hazel hurst you've just listened to am i making you uncomfortable and the hashtag is a i m y u